Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Vegas studios, it is Weekend Geek Update, Smurf here, along with our sponsor and our special bright, shiny person of the week, Susie Q. Hello. You got to meet a fan this weekend. I Yeah, I did. It was really exciting. How often, I guess I can't ask that question because you've never done podcasts before, so what was it like to have a fan and they're like, we like your episodes the best? <laughs> Uh, it was pretty great. Uh, we, you know, we run into some people who are fans of the Suzy Q's work from time to time, uh, but never someone specifically from the podcast before. That was pretty great. Red hates it because she's all like, you, you're just going to feed into his ego because every once in a while we're at a con and they're like, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> Red's immediately like, go away. Well, in my everyday life, I'm content to just live on the sofa and go about my business and so that we were out in public doing stuff the colorado festival of horror beer launch uh that it was pretty fun uh it doesn't usually happen so it warmed my black little heart (laughs) the emo inside of me is dancing but moping at the same time that's what i love like the charlie brown you got the one emo little girl that just kind of sits there and just does right does the little head pop side to side uh, people get a little confused because I'm always laughing and I have bright pink hair, but yeah, I'm a... I like how you describe your, your soul as dark. It is. It is. I'm all about industrial music and black clothes and I wish every day was Halloween, so... <laughs> Don't we all, though? Don't we all need Halloween every day? Yes. So what did you think of the beer? As if Okay, so let's catch everybody up. So Saturday was the Colorado Festival of Horror beer launch at Outworld Brewery. Yes. That you were at. We were at. Yeah, that we yeah, I actually I got <laughs> to announce the beer. I've got I got to to bring it in cuz I Brenda who is amazing and beautiful and owner and wonderful and she she always takes such good care of us. Um she's she didn't want any part of it. <laughs> she's all like no no here. So she gives me the sheet with all of the ingredients and everything, and I read it over, and I'm like, that's that's a lot of words for me to talk. Um, so I kind of I, – I, we edited a few things out, and, 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 and it was great, but I got to introduce and launch the beer party, which I didn't think I was going to do. I thought that was going to be somebody else. Oh, I assumed all along it was going to be you. <laughs> no, I never assumed those things. <laughs> Are you nuts? <laughs> No, it, the beer was amazing. Uh, I I love citrus, and I especially love blood oranges. Right. So I like that bitterness because I'm a little bitter too. And <laughs> so I thought it was fantastic. It was it was a fun time. So and you guys are telling me because I know it's a blood red orange, and everyone was under the impression that it would be a darker redder in color rather than kind of like I mean I wouldn't call it a bright orange, but it is kind of a um, a darker, dimmer orange. You can't see through the beer, which is a very, right. which is very good. Right. So it's not like you know. 
Well, when sometimes when you process blood oranges like that, when you're making jam, or it, the color goes away, the intensity of the color deteriorates as you cook it. I guess so. I, I'm I wasn't surprised that it wasn't blood blood red, but right. it seems like some other people were. Yeah, everyone was like, I expected it to be red. <laughs> okay. No, I, I and not being like I, I'm good with some liquors, and I'm not a beer connoisseur to that point. But yeah, I was like, okay, everyone loved it. Everyone, it was very. I, I know Jeremy didn't go home with any cans, though, did he? Oh no, I think we got sidetracked. We were uh, we'd been out all day, and we've got you know Winston was at home in his kennel, and we're about Winston. to be gone for ten days, and so we were just kind of. And we live so far away from the brewery. We love going there, but it's yeah. a hike for us. And um, so we were just, he was on a mission. We need to get him some of that. <laughs> I think, they, I know it's still on tap. If you go to Outworld, it is um, the Elixir Immortus. No. Elixir Immortus. Thank you. I'm glad I didn't do that during the launch. That would have been embarrassing. Hey, you got one job, guy, to talk. Do it well. Um, <laughs> so it is on their menu. It is on tap. So you can go to Outworld if you were unable to attend the Festival of Horror, or if you're planning on being there uh, September 10th through the 12th. Susie won't be there. I will not. We are going to do Read Pops Florida Supercon that weekend, so I'm sad to miss the Horror Festival, but I'm happy to be out doing a show again. It does kind of warm the heart. You're like, oh. Yeah. But you, you are sponsoring. I am. The cosplay contest. I will be there in spirit. Ah, <laughs> one one funny joke. <laughs> ah, ah. I, I am sponsoring the costume contest because, uh, big surprise, I love costumes. Duh. Yeah. So we will be doing a costume contest. There are cash prizes in addition to passes to next year's Colorado Festival of Horror. Uh, Laura, Jesse, and myself will be the judges. Ooh, that's exciting. Yes, because Jesse and Laura do an amazing job here in Colorado. Uh, you may not be familiar with them, but I can guarantee you have seen them. Jesse is a specimen of a human. He's, what, almost like 10 feet tall, and Laura's <laughs> like itty-bitty. She's like, you know, yeah. four foot. I, Jesse's like six foot eight, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's... <laughs> I'm not. I know I'm exaggerating when I say ten foot, but literally, Jesse is yeah. just huge. I am a huge fan of their Khal Drogo and Daenerys Targaryen cosplay. Yeah. But I really, and even not being a DC fan, I love when they do Superman and Wonder Woman. Yeah. That they just, and then when they had the little Beeb, it, it was just great. Sometimes they dress the baby up; it's adorable. They, Although the baby's like five now. So. They yeah. They got. Um, <laughs> in fact. Uh, the uh, Fanex, uh, Denver Fanex, is using their cosplay picture as one of the promos. Amazing. Yeah. So he's yeah. uh, Ares, God of War, and I forget what Laura's cosplay is in that picture. But I haven't seen the Ares, God of War in person. I've only seen pictures of it. I've seen it in, in person, and it, again, the man is huge, and it's intimidating <laughs> as hell. If I saw that man coming at me with like one of the big axes from the game i'd be like yeah I'm, I'm, this is this is my end <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this is how it ends uh so the three of us will be there and of course my experience as a cosplayer although limited is very extensive uh ghostbusters star lord and um i don't think you've ever seen me in my viper pilot suit from battlestar galactica no i i've only ever seen you in the ghostbusters suit 
it's it's the most comfortable. And I can't wear that Starload coat in anything other than like, you know, cold oh, weather yeah, cuz I will die. It must Yeah, you get packed into those rooms and everybody's all touching each other. <laughs> it's some some of those some Just of those, love your coat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, I don't blame you. That no. would be too warm to wear. Too, too hot. So we'll see. I'm excited to see who comes out. Uh, I know that we do have a cosplayer that will be showing up in a Cenobite. <gasps> I know. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to miss that. I mean, I'm excited to see how it turns out. They have been working on it for a few months now since uh, the conversation. And I don't want to ruin anything. I don't want to spoil who it is. I don't want to give any of that away. So you have to be or look for the pictures, at least from our team. Right. Well, somebody's going to take video of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like PJ or Wakeman or Wakeman. someone. Wakeman, most likely. Okay. Well, no. Um, the Deem, actually. The Deem is on video. Duty. Ah. Uh, Wakeman will be in the press room with me uh, conducting interviews. I'm sure Wakeman will get out. I'm sure there'll be a rotation. Uh, and PJ will uh, be floating all over doing Great. Social I'm, ca- I'm counting on you guys to put up lots of pictures because I'm I'm so sad I won't be there in person. But oh, so excited! Three weeks, so weeks. In fact, tonight because of Colorado Festival of Horror, going to the screening of Candyman. So I'm not a horror fan, but I'm a Jordan Peele fan. Yes. So I'm really interested. I am too. To see how that comes out because. You know, it's a it's a remake. Yes. And well, sort of. Sort of. I don't know. How, yeah, remake, it's, relaunch. Re- it's an existing character, but mm-hmm. I'm sure Jordan will put his own spin on it, and it'll be amazing. And because they and us, those two films of right? his are just right. Holy crap! <laughs> Creepy. Um, and speaking of Fan X, they finally announced some comic book guests. I know. So here's the lineup so far for comic book creators. We've got Jay Lee. Greg Capullo and uh, Mike Grail. Grail. I always mess up his name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. And him and I have had like long conversations. <laughs> sorry, Mike. <laughs> I love Jay. Yes, Jay is great. Um, I'm. I'm. I don't even know what I'd have Jay sign at this. At this point. I don't know. I will have to go through the whole collection and see what really stands out. Because I. Tubs. Yeah. Um. I'm not. I'm not a hoarder collector. Like, I don't put them in the bags and seal them and never to see the light of day again. Every nerd's butt just I know. (laughs) There's a unified sphincter tightening. (laughs) I read my books. I lend them out to people. Oh, my God. Sacrilegious. So uh, I have very few single issues that are signed like that because I just don't store them away in in that same way as others do how can you okay never mind i don't want to know because i i my butt's gonna pucker well it's i mean you've been to my house my collectible inventory is very low too because i take the toys out of the box and put them well to be fair i do too i I mean the days of buying one and uh, buying two and shredding one are long gone right right that's that's not gonna happen but, I mean, the whole um, thing of doing what's necessary for collecting and playing with your toys. I can call him back. Um, <laughs> playing with your toys. I, I am, I am uh, for playing with your toys. Yeah. Well, and I do, for things, 
for story arcs that are really exciting, um, you know, I have single issues from House of M and New Avengers and things like that, but I also have the trades. And so when I want to go back and revisit those things, I usually go to the trade paperbacks over the single issues. Um, So there are some things. And my single issue Sandman's never leave the house. They've not been out of the bag in... 30 years and (laughs) you know there are some things that I keep really pristine but for the most part the books are meant to be read the toys are meant to be played with Um, I know and you almost because maybe it's just because the influence of Toy Story or just that that kid inside of me that you know it's almost cruel to leave them in the package hanging on the wall because play with me exactly and I you know my I'm a nerd from be from childhood and so my mom and dad didn't understand why I wanted the Transformers and the GoBots and the comic books and things like that so I didn't buy them unless I had my own pocket money and so uh, you know maybe it comes from that that I I couldn't play with them when I was a kid and so now I I, (laughs) and now damn it to hell I am going to play with my toys right I don't care Uh, in fact the story that I saw it totally made me think of you as DC made a very impressive announcement. Actually, it's kind of one of those those weird ones. DC's first ever published uh, Sandman art I know. is going up for auction. Um, this is the original art that appeared in 1988, uh, touching upon the debut of Sandman, uh, signed by Neil Gaiman, and Mike uh, Derberg is up for auction. Heritage Auction is currently hosting bids. Uh, and as of me reading this, um, $20,000 is where it's at. Minimum bid is $1,000 or more. Uh, the piece is drawn by Mike uh, yeah. and, of course, signed by both gentlemen. Uh, the proxy bidding is open from now till September 8th. The actual auction runs from September 8th to September 12th. So Jeremy shut that down in a hurry. He, uh... I, I'm even, I, you know what? I'm impressed that you even got him to slightly even consider. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. he didn't consider it at all. Uh, so here's the thing. All right. Lay it on me. I love Sandman. I know. I eat, sleep, and breathe Sandman. It's all over my house. I love him. I love I even the brought stories. a statue in I know. Uh, in the studio because if so you guys cute. missed it, it's a small, it's a mini one. It's a mini it statue is. of the bigger one. But We're, you told me how much that thing's worth as it is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, our house is overflowing with Sandman paraphernalia. <laughs> I almost said that, but I was like, well, that just sounds like too druggy issue. No, okay. I have collectibles. I have comics. I have the trades. I have original art. Uh, I've got some drawings that David Mack did. I've got uh, Jim Mafu did a custom painting for me that was the OG Sandman from DC that Neil was supposed to do. Right. Um, and so I saw this link and I sent it to Jeremy because we're dorks and we text each other within the within the house. Uh, and he came out of the office and he just shook his head and he's like, "No way, no way." <laughs> but it's original art. Now it is original art. Original art. So this is dated November 1988 for the 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 art. Uh, it wasn't until 1989, of course, that it was um, right. released. 
Uh, it's in very good condition. Of course, it was regular DC. It didn't cross over to the Vertigo line until issue 47 of 1993. And then, of course, yeah. finished its 75-issue run. And you have all of them. I have most of them. They're, most? Well, so I bought them all in single issue back in the day. Okay. And I told you that story about right. going to the comic book store as a kid. Uh, then... Something happened. I don't want to be too dramatic. There's a bad guy in this story. Uh, Isn't there always? Right. So he didn't understand how comic books work. And as that marriage was falling apart and I was leaving home uh, with my son, this moron destroyed issues issues two through 74. Oh, my God. And left one in 75. The two most valuable issues in the run. I don't know if those two are the most valuable because you've got First Appearance of Death and the First Appearance of Lucifer in there. Number one is number one, though. It's true. And 75 is the last one. True. And that's the Tempest story arc uh, based on Shakespeare. And so... Uh, I'm going. I'm going to maintain that they're the two most valuable <laughs> in the run. Okay. So uh, it has now in my more stable and comfortable adult life. I have been buying single issues again. Uh, of course, I have the trades and multiple incarnations. And basically, I own two of everything that Neil's ever published. Sometimes three. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love you, Neil. You're my best friend. Yes. And. So, we love you, Neil. Just, just yeah. come and hang out on the podcast. Come hang out with us. Come hang out with us. Uh, <laughs> we have a seat right here next to our special guest, Brett Favre. Yay, sports guy. <laughs> He's kind of a cute little guy. Does he still look like that, or is he super old now? He's super old now. Oh, okay. He's got gray hair. Okay. And he's got, like, some scraggly beard. That's, like, back in, like, early aughts. It's old. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> if you come to the studio, or I think actually some pictures have captured him sitting over in the the corner next to the, <laughs> the Batlith, the Batlith and the screen grab of uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters uh, that we have yeah. behind me. Um, so, have you listened to the radio drama? It brought tears to my eyes because I really, I really, because I see James McAvoy doing it, and I see all of these like freaking a listers voicing. All of the Sandman stuff, and I know the second round is about to start, and I'm so excited. And I haven't listened to the first one. Um, I usually don't do Audible uh, because I work for an independent bookstore. Yeah, (laughs) of course. Uh, But that I had to. uh, I, at the risk of being a gross name dropper, I listened to probably 30 minutes of that first one. Mm -hmm. And... I was crying so hard because I was so moved because really? it transported me back to that fall day in 1989 uh. when I was 12 and <laughs> negotiating to buy uh, adult comics from the comic book store. And I emailed Cat uh, Mios right. uh, and said, this is beautiful. So does it start with issue one with the, the story it of does. Morpheus getting out and then move into Cain and Abel and that, does. that twisted story? It opens with uh, that cult that's modeled after <sighs> Aleister Crowley kidnapping Dream right. and holding him cap- captive. Oh, 
uh, and it it follows the story, and it is uh, you know there's it's an adaptation, so it's not word for word. Right. So if you're looking for word for word, this is not your gig. But, but I would I kind of expect that you'd have to because some of the things aren't going to translate, right. especially when you're doing like a radio drama. And it's kind of funny that in Legends of Tomorrow they had Aleister Crowley in a painting that. Constantine was holding on right. to and I just got like chills like oh my god are we going to see Sandman are we are we going to go in that but of course no Alistair well. Crowley gets dragged out of there <laughs> by a vampire I was like okay chickens <laughs> and I just I just love the whole cast I'm really looking forward to the second volume I, again because I love everything that Neil did and Sandman is so meaningful in right. my life uh, I I told him once that Sandman helped me become the person I am, and we both like teared up and were hugging, Aww. and it was just it was such a magical like a ten- moment. Moment. I know. Uh, and fun Neil game. In fact, he asks permission before he hugs people. Oh. He doesn't just grab you and shake you around <laughs> like some like some celebrities. The celebrities we know. you hang out with really concern me sometimes. Uh, <laughs> no, he asked me. Is it all right if I give you a hug? And, and uh, you know I'm not. Uh, but he does strike me as like the proper British gentleman. Uh, yeah, that that uh, that whole evening was just pure joy. Everything right. about it, top to bottom, was magical. And I, uh, yeah, rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> uh, we were doing, he came out of sound check and we were doing some technical stuff, uh, trying to get the event off the ground. And he kept trying to make me and the rest of the staff cups of tea because he's just so, so British. Oh my God. I don't think he I would, can. I would die for it. I don't of think he from, can help it. I think I it's just, that. you know, are you sure I can't get you anything? Uh, no, sir. You're the big star here. Let us get Let you us something. Get, Neil, come, come <laughs> to the studio. We have so many different things to make you tea, coffee. The studio is completely functional. Please come. Come, hang yes, out. Yes. We could make an afternoon of it. And and we, there'd be a massive wedding. There'd be, we'd just sit around and we'll just cry. We'll just right? hold each other and right? cry. Oh and my drink gosh. tea. It would be amazing. <laughs> uh, so anyway, back to the point of all of this is I sent Jeremy the text because right. I have Google alerts on Neil Gaiman stuff. Big surprise. Big surprise. And he just came out of the office and was like, no way. No, I'm not giving you thousands of dollars to buy <laughs> Well, like I said, as of right now, it's up to twenty thousand. Right, that costs more than my car. Next minimum bid, thousand bucks. Yeah. Yeah, and you drive a Beamer. It's used. <laughs> we didn't buy it new. Got to wind up the We're, little key in the back. Yes. Um. So, do you own? Okay. So the the radio drama is it downloaded or did you buy a disc or? Uh, I bought it from Audible, and I hate right. to admit this in public because. Yeah, because uh, I try not to buy Amazon stuff, but, but uh, that it's kind of hard. It was, it was, uh, it was the only place to get it. It's an Audible original, so yeah. Well, maybe, maybe one day I'll listen to it. I was hoping you had actually had CDs, and I was just going to rip them. <laughs> Who has CDs anymore? I do. You got a couple of CDs behind oh you over God. there. <laughs> you got a CD burner right there in the studio. I actually just bought um, I bought a CD recently because it had a bunch of stuff in yeah. it. It's yeah. a it was a CD single if you can believe that. It had like posters oh, wow. okay. and collectible cards and, and all kinds of stuff, stickers. Um, but we don't have any way to play the disc anymore because none of our computers have, have optical drives either. Yep. So 
if I want to actually listen to the CD, I have to hook up um, my PlayStation <laughs> and wow. play it through the TV. <laughs> wow. That is so bad. Yeah, because even cars don't have, like, CD players no. anymore. Neither one of my cars is a CD player. Yeah, I feel, um, I feel like, because I've got that over there. It's a hard drive. It plays CDs. It just yeah. it burns them. It copies them. It does all yeah. sorts of neat stuff. It's a handy little tool. It looks like it. In a studio. Well, I mean, you need it here, but at home, yes. we I just built a new computer a few weeks ago, and we had to go buy an optical disk drive <laughs> so that I could load the operating system. Wow. It's uh, pretty bad. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to go down the Marvel rabbit hole. If you have been living under a rock for the last couple of hours, then you may have missed the new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Uh that is leading into the December 17th release of the film. It is spectacular and gives you all kinds of different wonderful feels. And, of course, let the speculation begin as we go down this rabbit hole of, okay, we saw Doc Ock for sure, lightning in the background, which does indicate Jamie Foxx, and in all likelihood, Green Goblin as the pumpkin bomb comes rolling on the highway. I okay, so it's kind of funny because I watched the trailer. I, I watched the trailer here in the studio. Yeah, um, with Tuan, who is good with comics, but he doesn't know the whole story. So right away, he's like, "Doctor Strange wouldn't do that," and I'm like, "Well, to be honest with you, <laughs> he did do that in the comics. That is exactly what happened because Parker goes to Strange and is all like, "Can you?" Erase my because out yeah. out of Civil War, Spider Man screwed up. Yeah, Spider Man unmasked himself to to make a statement that he thought was was right. Yeah. at the time, and then well, the fallout happened, right? And, and it's basically like, okay, I need to figure out how to fix this. Um, I know why the movies were not following the comic story there that well, but. I I think it would have been more impactful, especially in the new super. Uh, I'm sorry, the new Spider-Man films with Tom Holland. If right. they had been closer, because uh, I see how Tawan got there about Doctor Strange, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just my two cents. I, and I and I kind of was like, yeah, oh, okay, I can kind of see your your take on that, and I get it. Um, but to see them kind of following yet another. I want to say it's a solid storyline, especially when you you realize what happens out of that. Because originally I thought it was like Mephisto when he made well, the deal did. with that. But no, it was actually in one of the other books that Strange did do this. Yep. So, uh, but in the midst of casting this spell, which is hilarious, because they've, whatever. Um <laughs> Peter is constantly in his ear and like, well, what about this? What about that? And just completely mucks up the spell right. and cre- and opens the door to the multiverse. Which is, you know, we knew that was coming with WandaVision and with Loki and even with the what if. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't know. I'm still a little confused. I'm not sure where they're going. I don't see the clear path. And, you know, maybe we, maybe it's kind of cool that we don't. As the fans, and having read, especially myself, as extensive of a reader as I've been over the decades, I kind of already have, like, this pre-built disposition in my head. And for them to break away from that and to give me something new, 
I just want it to be as good. Right. That's my only request. If you're going to give me something new, but just make sure it's as good. The thing I worry about with introducing the multiverse, though, is all of the casual fans. And, and as you know, I'm an, I'm an adamant defender of the casual fans. I think that you're entitled to like what you like and you don't mm-hmm. have to defend it. Sure. Um, and I talked about that, um, I think, last week. You yeah, weren't on here, but no. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think we're going to lose... I think Marvel is in for a rougher ride than they expect by throwing this out there. I think so, too, because if you're not super into it, if you haven't been following the story arcs, if you haven't been reading the comics, the multiverse might be too big. It might be too big. And I don't mean to imply that the casual fans are deficient in some way or that they can't handle it, but there's too much going on. It's complicated. It is very complicated. And if you don't love this stuff the way that some of us do and have, I would be like, fuck this. You're going to get confused. You know, like, we're experiencing some of that with what if. Well, and it's funny (laughs) that you bring that up because season two uh, has been greenlit for what if um and it's going to go into phase four kevin feige has provided insights uh as far as what to kind of expect with the season two of what if which i'm surprised they already have greenlit with only seeing two episodes so far right and as much as i loved captain carter um there was really no surprises there weren't and it was just basically the same fucking story i everybody lives Everybody lives. Everybody lives, and we get kind of the same result, but, I mean, it really wasn't that big of a what if. It wasn't. Um, Also, it's just, they have a Captain Carter what if, and that's, and that, in the comics, and that's not really it. And there was a huge opportunity here to introduce the Watcher, which they don't really do. They give him a quick overview at the at the intro, but yeah. if you're watching more than one episode at a time, you're not going to see that. And no. uh, why should you care about him? Like, but he's like a significant. He key is a significant to key to it. And then we had a lot of opportunity here to explore the alternative Howling Commandos, which I love the Commandos. That's. I'm a dork for Dum Dum Dugan. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I love that they got Damien Dark from uh, the DC world, right? the guy to play him. He's also in Star Trek, and uh, he did that Wizard of Oz remake uh-huh. that was kind of interesting. Um, we could have introduced Captain Britain, which I know that's a deep dive for a lot of people. I, you know, in fact, that's what I was hoping we were going right? to get. Me too. Uh, introduce Peggy as the initial Captain Britain. That would have been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of... There was a lot of potential there, and I don't know. Maybe these things are too too deep cuts for general consumption, but I I don't know. Jeremy's already his interest is waning a little bit because he doesn't know. Well, and it's kind of hard. Um, the funny thing is, Kevin Feige was quoted saying that's the fun thing about having the What If series. Now we can explore questions uh, just like that. Uh, he goes on to say, and I will say. Just as season one is tapping into the films and storylines from the MCU that you've set up at this point, season two will definitely incorporate movies from phase four. Um, But see, I don't like, and you're right, because I already can see people kind of like, okay, whatever, because there's people that haven't watched Guardians. And the the second episode with uh, Black Panther becoming Star-Lord... I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> but you know what? I, I actually... I liked that better than the first episode. 
I did too. And I don't know if it was just because Bozeman's um, charismatic personality just carried that whole cartoon and his voice coming through and the different adaptations for all of the characters. I mean, there's just just drastic differences. And that's what I was expecting from the first episode, which we didn't get. No. I think... I think that episode with T'Challa as uh, Star-Lord really expanded on who T'Challa is. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, as great as Ch- Chadwick Boseman was, and he was an excellent actor, and he, he really personified Black Panther incredibly well, they didn't get into, you don't really know who T'Challa is in his heart until the very end. Right. And so I think this episode of What Is brings out that, you know, that T'Challa wants to help people on a wide scale. He really cares about other beings. Well, and he wants he wants equality. He wants a certain standard of living for right. all and for everyone to be the best person that they could be. He, he turned Thanos. He turned Thanos. I'm like, what the hell? And what I really love is just that all of the voices are actors. I mean, with the exception of Hugo Weaving and right. Chris Evans, everyone has voiced their, their own characters. character. Yeah. And I'm just, I mean, just to hear Josh Brolin all Thanosy <laughs> being just Thanos, I'm just like, oh, so cool. And that gag where everyone keeps telling him, yeah, it still sounds like genocide. To it me. still that, sounds like that's genocide. A funny gag. Yes. That was that was very charming. And they brought back Howard. Yeah. I Howard the Duck. I mean, where did that come? Is that just fan service for the comic nerds? Maybe. Like, I don't. I laugh my butt off every time we see Howard in in these little Guardians things. It just and I love that they saved Cosmo. I they did I save Cosmo. I love the dog. Uh, yeah, but no Rocket, no Groot, no Rocket, no Groot. Drax is a bartender, which I thought very ironic. Yeah, he's not really suited Bar- to that bartending but quality. Yeah, but no Gamora either. No Gamora. That's no. very telling, isn't it? Yeah. It's mm. very telling. Makes you, <laughs> hmm. And Star Lord is still going to end up soup, right? Or uh, um, <laughs> Star- sorry, T'Challa was Star Lord. Uh, what? Uh, what's his name? Chris. Chris Pratt. Yeah. Still ends up soup. Yeah. Funny. I don't know. And then you know, I got a little teary. I'm a little emotional uh, because. Because of Chadwick Boseman, it, oh, it was, yeah, yeah. you know, he was a, an extraordinary actor and seemed to be an extraordinary person. And, and the loss of him is deeply felt. Well, and it's funny because somebody was telling me, well, I got into a conversation that they're like, that's not Chadwick Boseman. I'm like, it is. He's like, the cadence is off. I was like, no, it's not. It's it's still him. It's It may be different because he's probably in a booth similar to right, what we got. But right. it is it is him, for, without a doubt. But he's like, no. I'm like, okay. Well. Look it up. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You know how we nerds love to argue. Uh, yes. Especially Minutia. Superman, Batman. <laughs> swear to God. Uh, this is actually kind of up your alley. Uh, oh, before we move on. the uh, Please let us know what you think of what if the episodes are airing on Wednesdays. Uh, we'll see what is up for this week. Hopefully it kind of continues that wave. I don't want to see the, the group what if saving. I, I, no. I really don't. I'm... Please avoid that landmine, Marvel. Please. I just <laughs> just don't go down that rabbit hole. Um, this I actually saw, which made me kind of excited. Entertainment Weekly has published some new images about the Wheel of Time series that will be quickly coming to 
Amazon, um, which is supposed to be debuting. I lost my date. Have you read The Wheel of Time? I haven't. Jeremy is a huge fan, though. Jeremy really? C. from Suzy Q's. Yeah. Right. He has all the books um, and is super into it. And he talks about it a lot. So maybe he should come one day and you guys can talk about it in depth because he's super into it. I mean, the images look great. And um, it's supposed to be premiering in November. So we've got a little bit of time. And if you want to look at the images, uh, go to Entertainment Weekly. But I'm just... I mean, this is on scale with Game of Thrones. I mean, the sets, the costuming, a lot of this is great. I've only read mm, a couple yeah. of the books at best, maybe. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I can't say that I don't like them. I just, well, they, they've kind of always gotten shuffled off for something else. Aren't there like 15 it or is. 18 it, of It's them? like I mean, jumping there's... into a Jim Butcher series because yeah. you just don't, you, there's so many books. You're like, well... Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, Jeremy's really into it, and he he talks about the logistics of getting those last books published because Robert Jordan passed away. Yep, and that's correct. Like he, he just, that's, that's his thing. And so we have them all, however many of them there are, uh, which sounds like a funny thing to say, but it, I don't know if you've seen the room we use as, as yes. our reading room, but there's a lot of books there. <laughs> So 15 or 18 more are kind of go unnoticed. Kind of coming on their way. That's, <laughs> oh, that's just one more stack. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, I am kind of – I'm excited to see it. Uh, even, But I almost – when I look at this, I almost wish they would have done Discworld. You know, I would I love, love Discworld. I love Discworld, and I think that there's so many good stories that haven't been told. And if Amazon – you know, tackled that. I mean, as much as I love Good Omens, I don't yeah. know if I, I'm like 50-50 on them continuing with Good Omens too. Yeah, that kind of surprised me. That's a little bit of a curveball. <laughs> but if they were to do a Discworld series and just get get the well, that going. There is one. Yeah, but there's only four films. And no, no, no. The BBC and I think it's AMC distribute produce and distribute a show called the watch and it's oh that and it's after the city watch yeah. and i have big hairy problems with that show that show is a garbage uh, fire <laughs> i i they introduced too many characters all at once and each of those characters are meaningful to the Discworld stories mm-hmm. and they deserved better uh the showrunners act like they invented it they've irritated rihanna uh pratchett who you know they totally act like Terry didn't have anything to do with the work that they're producing. And, and it's a direct ripoff. Yeah, it's just, um, it's not good times. And, yeah. and Discworld it's, deserves better. They do. Uh, showrunner Rafe uh, Judkins discussed in an interview with Empire the desire to get Amazon's big budget fantasy series right for the fans. One example can be seen in the effort the team put into building Shatter Logoth. Yeah, I, I don't know. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, the Wheel of Time's uh, haunted, abandoned city. We literally built Shatter Logoth from scratch just for 15 minutes of airtime because it's that important to the series. Judkins said, uh, went on further to say, uh, that's where it becomes very clear. It's not just the forces of good and evil. There are lots of different angles. So it's in depth. It's building worlds. And these guys are taking it seriously. Well, that sounds good. We'll we'll have to wait and see. November. November. 
<laughs> I'm on board. I'm sure we can have um, Jeremy on. Because yeah. I'd love to have Jeremy on to talk about that. Yeah. Especially in November. When it comes on, we need, we'll have Jeremy on. Okay. Right. Sounds good. Uh, also, something to keep an eye out for. I don't know. Okay. So, this series, I've only watched, and I know I'm going to get, don't <laughs> at me on this, all right? And I've only watched one episode, or it was a movie. Um, <sighs> Cowboy Bebop. I love Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> I've only, and I know with, because last time, last week Susie was here. Um, she came by to pick up some stuff, and she was she's into the K-pop dramas. I am. And, of course, I threw Korean Odyssey. So right. did Red and I both threw that yes. at you. Yes, both of you recommended and that. And that is a great, great series. But um, Cowboy Bebop released photos uh, for the new series that is premiering uh, November 19th. And I have to say, John Cho looks looks spectacular in the lead role. Yes, yes. Uh, as Spike Spiegel, I am super into Cowboy Bebop. Um, my previous Welsh Corgi was named Ayn. He was a living, I love breathing the, the, cosplay. The, 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 the trio with her right? walking the Corgi. Oh. They were, I, I couldn't swipe that picture off the yeah. internet, but yeah. uh, it was hilarious. We used to make Ayn. Uh, his collar was red. He had a gold circular tag Aww. that said his name on it. Uh my Ein puppy. He was a 17-year-old corgi. We loved him, uh, and I named him after Cowboy Bebop. I bought a corgi because of Cowboy Bebop. We listened to the music. The soundtrack is incredible. Um, I have digital files. I have them on CD, which I can't wow. play anymore. Uh, I even bought... Just bring it in. I'll, I'll right? record it onto a jump drive for you. Well, last year, they re- they released a collector's edition vinyl. It's 180-gram colored vinyl. One disc is purple and white marble, and the other is orange and white marble. And it's the, it's the first soundtrack. Because they put out, like, five soundtracks for this show. It's incredible. It was you need one- to bring that in so we can put it on the big screen. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll bring it next time. It's incredible. It sounds incredible. I love those heavy mm-hmm. press vinyl, though. Mm-hmm. Um, they just hold up better. Uh, <clears throat> it was one of the first series to incorporate uh, wide-scale computer animation, and mm-hmm. that animation holds up. It looked great. I mean, even the one, the movie that I watched. Yeah. I mean, and I know it was older, but I still I still dug it, and I yeah. I really digged the story. But unfortunately, Cowboy Bebop is not as as accessible as I thought it would be. I because I, some of the stuff I was like trying to find, and it's almost as bad as Ranma because oh. you know <laughs> there's so many different stories, and there's other things, and right. there's like other productions they shift you know houses and shit like that and it just i was just like all right screw it i gave up well i still have them on dvd so uh-huh. i can lend you the dvd they look okay. like little records the, the print on the dvd i'll watch them it's so the music is so good uh the music uh composer yoko kano is amazing uh i love everything about cowboy bebop i'm really excited because i feel like the netflix production is doing what you were saying Wheel of Time wants to do. They want to mm-hmm. do it right for the fans because this, this is a hot button issue. If they jack it up, <laughs> they are going to get so much hate mail. Well, even John Cho, I mean, he's been marvelized. There was a picture I saw him where he's just right. ripped. And, I mean, he's definitely gone through the training, and he's definitely far from Harold and Kumar days at this point. And, I mean, he, even, like, the that picture of them is oh, yeah. actually I mean that is exactly what I imaged for 
the show and the 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 textures the setting all of it looks it looks spot on well and they have members of the original production team uh on the netflix production so it i'm hoping i'm hoping uh yeah that i just i'm so excited about it it's one of those things like i'm kind of holding my breath the same with the sandman casting i'm kind of holding my breath i'm trying not to pass judgment uh i'm usually a defender of the changes that need to happen when you move through uh adaptations right but yeah if they oh my gosh they looks amazing i know if they jack this up even the suit i mean i looked at his at his suit and i'm just like I want to go buy that. I really want that suit now because I see the tailoring yeah. and all of that. And look, the like I said, little the, the little corgi. corgi I know. Strut. It's a good fur day. It's a good <laughs> fur day for the corgi. Yeah, it's. It, I'm hoping it's going to be wonderful. I. I don't know. Cowboy Bebop is just another one of those things for me. It. It. it helped me become who I am. It's really right. meaningful to a lot of people, and I. Uh, I just hope they don't. Well, and I don't think they're going to muck it, it up. up because looking at everything that they've put into uh, the casting and where I think that they definitely pulled it off is is the costuming. Yeah. And they didn't they didn't skimp on that. No. Because, I mean, some of the Marvel films we've complained in the past are like, right. why didn't you just get a couple of cosplayers to, like, do this for you? Exactly. Especially for X-Men. Like, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> But this, I can. T- yeah. I'm totally on board. I I can say honestly, I'm excited because I don't know much about Cowboy Bebop. I know, and this will be this will be kind of a fun adventure for me because I'm I'm familiar with it enough to kind of go. Yeah. I can be objective and I can be surprised. Stick with me, friend. We'll get you hooked in no time. <laughs> you will be jamming those soundtracks. In. I actually, if you bring the soundtracks by, I'm going to rip them and I'm going to. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to record those so for sure. So good. I can't wait. Uh, like I said, November 19th will be the premiere uh, for Cowboy Bebop. I don't know if they're going to do a second season. We don't know what all of this uh, series entails, but I would not be surprised if this got greenlit for season two or another series immediately after the first episode is released. You know, I'm not into TV or film production at all, but I would especially hate to have that job with properties such as Cowboy Bebop or Wheel of Time or Sandman or any of these big Marvel and DC properties because the fans are scrutinizing mm-hmm. every move that you make. Mm-hmm. And that has got to be terrifying. Yes, it does. Which brings us to this week's take. I have been sitting on this topic <laughs> for a couple of weeks now, and I warned you ahead of time that this was going to happen. Don't at me, because I'm going to throw some shit out there as Susie and I give you our take on Star Wars Bad Batch, end of the first season, and holy moly, we were right. The Caminos went down in a blaze of glory. Well, not even a blaze. They just 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 went went down. down. (laughs) (laughs) Last time I was here, we talked about Bad Batch and how that storyline is filling a gap. Yeah, lots of gaps. And that... And that came to fruition. And it wasn't a secret. It was, I'm no. not going to sit here and say, I called it. Yeah. Because no. that's not what went on. Um, we knew. We it, knew it was going to end. Star Wars people know what happened on Camino between <laughs> the end of the Clone Wars and the beginning of the Empire. We've known for a long time what happens there. 
Uh, we just didn't, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. And that was stunning. It was stunning. And so we live, Jeremy and I live in a neighborhood that's recently built. Right. Uh, and before it was full of bougie suburban houses. Bougie, it, bougie, bougie. It was full of, of prairie dogs. <laughs> right? Yeah. Th- those aren't the bougiest kind of neighbors you right, have. Right, right. So the city where we live had this campaign about how they were moving, there's air quotes here, moving the prairie dogs <laughs> to a new safe location. It's like they moved the Caminos. Right. So we were watching that, and, and Jeremy said, what happened to the regs? Were they all reassigned? Oh, no, no, no my darling dear. The same thing happened to the regs as it happened to the prairie dogs. <laughs> Now, to be fair, some regs made it out. Some did. Because there's the episode where they're on the planet, and I was all excited because one of them looked like Scourge from uh, the video games. Yes. So, and they kind of went to the old retro style. Yes. Uh, helmets and armor, and then they even did the uh, the original draft armors yep. for the TK units. And I think they, there's an excellent homage paid to the fans, the original concept artists. They took their time crafting these last four or five episodes. They did. Dave Filoni is a genius. Uh, Everybody working on his team deserves huge props. This story is... All of you get a raise. (laughs) I've declared it. Say Susie and Smurf. We have no authority to do that. So say Uh, we all. (laughs) Um, I'm loving... I, I wish... I wish Marvel would follow in Star Wars footsteps here. <laughs> I do. Good luck with that. <clears throat> because I love that we're getting these these other stories in Star Wars that makes a rich world even more rich. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we're getting... And again, a lot of us know these stories uh, from way back when. And, and people will say, no, but, but Disney threw away the... The legends can't, but they're bringing a lot of it back. They're bringing a lot of it back, and there's some of it. I mean, even in the book, some of it's alluded at, right? But it's never been like front and center. No, it's never been unearthed. No, and it's always been kind of like in rumors. And it's funny because when you look at um, the Clone Wars, when Obi Wan is is trying to find out who the Kaminos are, mm-hmm. and he's that's part of those cloners, you right? know. And they're still kind of like living in infamy, even when they're still alive. So right. it's it's just so amazing how Filoni has connected all of these different components, even from the expanded universe that Dark Horse had and all of the other comics. Because I think, and here's here's one of my big reveals, my my big theory, that we are going to get. So both, because at the very end of I know spoilers. If you haven't watched it, it's been two weeks. My bad. Um, I mean, I know people have life, lives to lead, but it's also been two it's weeks. also been two weeks. And I don't think it's going to come as a surprise. And a lot of people are probably sitting there scratching their head right now. Who the fuck is so both? If you read Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. Yes, which, which is, is excellent. Which is excellent. Because Tim is excellent. He is. And I know he's a little cranky. When you talk about this series, because this is supposed to be the follow-up to Jedi. Right. Um, and it does immediately take place like five years after Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is still an evil uh, Sith Lord that Palpatine sticks on this planet in a pyramid and is sitting on the stockpile the Emperor has. A jungle planet? A jungle planet. In a pyramid. In a pyramid. That nobody knew about. Not a single soul. Imagine that. And then, with the final closing scene that we get, we get 
the Camino scientists being shuttled off of a, 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 a spacecraft to a giant pyramid on a jungle planet. Now, if you have read the books, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. There is, um, because in Heir to the Empire and then Dark Force Rising, we get Emperor Palpatine back with a cloned body, which I right. think this is setting all of this storyline up where we will have the introduction to the clones where for, for the, uh, the Emperor. Palpatine clones. Yeah, the Palpatine clones. Well, we've been getting those little breadcrumbs yeah. in the... In the final trilogy, yep. Uh, in the Ray trilogy, we see that. We see that in the Mandalorian. Yep. There's a little tiny peak, blink and you'll miss it in Rebels. Yep. Uh, at the the newer, the last episodes of the Clone Wars that they redid over the Netflix mm-hmm. ending of Clone Wars, there's a little blink and you'll miss it. Like you have to be. Really paying attention to to you, like you have to be super invested in it. Um, uh, We saw some of the dark troopers at the end of Bad Batch. Crosshair is looking like he is the original dark trooper. I know with with the 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 magazines on the shoulder. So I think we're starting to see all of these these breadcrumbs and these other stories from Dark Horse and all that. And if we get and I'm really, I'm really leaning towards Saboth is sitting in that pyramid, guarding all the emperor's yeah. prized possessions, all his shit that he's right. just stockpiling. So that raises the question: How does Saboth? Can he figure it? Can, I don't can know. Filoni pull this off? I hadn't. I honestly hadn't thought about Saboth until you brought him up, and we we talked about it just in passing for a minute yep. last week. But honestly, like. That's been stewing. It's been marinating in my little brain yeah. the past week. And I think you're on to something. I might. I think yeah. I'm on to something. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. And I don't know. It's just this little this little chunk of Star Wars history. Like you said, it's never. It's something that we know if we you've know. been reading, if you've been following along all of these years. And, and to see these things bubble to the surface, it's just so, it's so exciting. And it's a nice little fan service. And, and Saboth is a clone of the original Saboth. Yes. Who, who got whacked. And the Emperor made a dark Jedi Lord, who's freaking batshit crazy. Let's just, no mistake about this. So both is absolutely off his rocker. But out of the series also comes Grand Admiral Thrawn. Right. Who we got name Which, dropped again in Mando. Yep. And it looks like that's going to be the primary storyline for the Ahsoka mm-hmm. series, which I'm super excited about. And Ezra Miller. I know. I thought coming back. for a moment until that lightsaber lit up at, in that Mando episode, I thought it might be Ezra coming for Grogu. Oh, yeah. I just think, for a moment. I think what we got was way better. I agree. I'm, I'm so not. Much better. Just for a moment, though, I was like, is that Ezra? Uh, <laughs> and it yeah, well, where would one. Ezra get a hold of an X-Wing? I don't know. I was just so excited. Just, oh, it's a Jedi. Yeah. I was just so excited. I wasn't sure what to expect. I thought it was going to be Filoni coming in with, like, a right. heavy blaster. <laughs> well, let me. let Filoni me to the rescue. <laughs> let me leave this and w- right. for, for you to ponder for a while until right. we get more Mando. Okay. I think that, oh my gosh, his name just dropped out of my mind. Uh, the M- the Imperial who kidnapped Grogu. What is his name? I can't believe I just w- lost it. Uh, 
Giancarlo Esposito. What is oh, his character's um, name? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you got that. Anyway. You pushed it out of my head. Grand Admiral I, Ceviche. No, I, I don't know what it is. Hold on. I'll work. I think he's a clone. What? I think how would you? How did you get to a clone out of him? I think he's a clone. Because if you go back to season one, <clears throat> when he corners them in the cantina. Right. And is blowing things up with the 501st, which, yay. Uh, <clears throat> he, all, all of the characters say, I thought he was dead. Grief Cargo says, I thought he was dead. Cara Dune says, I thought he was dead. And then there he is. And then he crashes his TIE fighter and doesn't seem to be injured, right? Every time they think he's dead, he comes back. And oh, um, Moff, Moff Gideon. Moff oh, my Gideon. gosh. I can't believe that went completely out of my head. Yeah. Um, I think Moff Gideon's a clone. I don't think he's a Force-sensitive clone, which was the project, but I think he's a clone. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but they they do that all the time where they're like, oh, I thought you were dead. Right. You know? I know they do. I know they do. And, uh, again, I've freely admitted that I'm bad at this game, at guessing. <laughs> like, I'm not good at it. But <laughs> I I think he's a clone. I'm eager to see Thrawn on the big screen. I love I Thrawn. Wonder, I don't know if we'll see. I don't know. I, it's a question of where he's going to show up. I think he starts in Ahsoka because they're planning more films. Yes. So I think, I don't think that his storyline will be resolved in the Ahsoka series. I think they'll introduce him. I think they'll fight. And then I think it goes on to a different film. Hmm. But again, I'm bad at this game. So don't take anything I say too seriously. <laughs> I mean, I was just happy that we saw, because we don't know where Moff Gideon hails from. No. Because we, I, um, to be fair... I thought all the moths were with Tarkin on the Death Star. Me too. So to have w- one pop up out of nowhere is Which kind is of why weird. he's a clone. And I mean, <laughs> and Grand Admiral Thrawn is like the last of the Grand Admirals. Yes. Because he was on the far edge of the galaxy when everything went went yes. sideways. Which we've, which uh, inadvertently or on purpose. They've kind of explained why he's on the far edge of the galaxy when everything goes south for the Empire. Well, he was with Ezra wherever they went. Yeah. He was with Ezra wherever they went. And we have no idea. And then all of a sudden, of course, you know, the Rebel Alliance and all that. And Thrawn is nowhere to be seen. And And you know what? I don't even know how old his race can live for. No, I don't. I don't know that much about him. Because I know they've done a couple limited series on Grand Animal Thrawn. Yes. Um, but I know his species. He's also very. I, I think he's kind of like Yoda. There's only so many. Of, there's right. a very few number of them, but they have a very lengthy lifespan. I was explaining this to somebody not that long ago. Think of how evil Admiral Thrawn is if he is one of the only alien. In a super racist organization. Well, I mean, they actually, they actually, in the comic, they addressed that. Yeah. He, they, his first limited series, as far as his rise to power and becoming a Grand Admiral, they, they absolutely talk about that. Yeah. Because the Emperor was a racist. Yeah. I mean, because. <laughs> Even in the books, they talk about it. Yeah. Look at the books, look at the comics, look at the shows and the films. There are no aliens nope. in the Empire uh, except for. 
gone. Yeah, there's no one in a command so, position. So, yeah. So it just, yeah, think how bad that guy is to have achieved such a high level, <laughs> such a high rank in an organization that inherently hates him. Yeah. That's a, that's well, they a don't bad hate guy. They just view him as a lesser as being. lesser, yeah. But he proved himself as just far as how much of a badass he yeah. was. Even yeah. in the comic. It was just like, so cool. Yeah. He's just a bad guy. And we love bad guys. We do love we bad guys. We love bad guys. I love the bad guys more than the good guys. Sometimes I do, too. So any other theories? I mean, I, we have no idea where the Bad Batch is going to go. No. Uh, I hope they keep... I hope they keep filling these storyline holes, though. I mean, it's an excellent vehicle for that because they are out of the loop, and so it provides logical exposition instead of clunky exposition. Uh, I'm looking at you, Liam Neeson, with the midichlorians. Uh, you, you know, know, you can't blame him for that. That was just <laughs> poor writing on Lucas's part. Okay, that's fair. Uh, it, it wasn't a great delivery, though, from no. an otherwise great actor. Well... I don't think he even believed it. He's like, wait a second. Right? Let, let me get this straight. This but kid's super powerful because he's got a bunch of <laughs> bugs in him. <laughs> he's got parasites. He's got parasites living with him. Yeah. Oh, for- so it provides it provides a natural outlet for exposition, which isn't clunky. It's true. Because they're out of the loop and they're finding their way through the galaxy. And it fills. I want them to keep filling these stories, these plot holes that exist. And they're they're there. We see we've seen a few. So yeah. I, I I I don't even know what to expect. But I'm really I'm really fingers crossed that that we just finally saw the vehicle for. I know. So both. <laughs> so <laughs> excited. <laughs> yeah, I know you didn't even see that coming, did you? I You're didn't. Like, I didn't. We were standing at your desk the yep. other day, and you dropped so both and. My jaw hit the floor. I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I don't think anyone really has because um, nobody else is. Com- I haven't heard anyone else with this right with this theory from out of my head. So, and I haven't. Sh- I've, I've been very particular about about sharing it. I well, haven't, I haven't. I've been saving it. We'll see. We I could will be. I see. could be wrong. I've been wrong before. It's not very often, but. You know. It well, happens. that's a nice change because I'm always wrong. I make these uh, guesses uh, uh, and then they're wrong. Oh, this just leaked. Uh, what if promotes a new episode with Nick Fury and Black Widow posters? Okay. I love Nick Fury. I do too. I liked Nick Fury when he was great until they made him kind of an incompetent idiot in Captain <laughs> Marvel. What the hell? Um, what else? Any other drops? Nothing that looks like. Everyone's just going nuts over Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, the nerds, like I said, let the speculation begin uh, as that continues to go like wildfire. There is, yeah, Morbius is kind of hint in the trailer with the little skeleton, the, the vampire head right. hanging on the light. Like a nice subtle little nod. Uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. <laughs> um, so we'll get Bad Batch back. We don't have long to wait until we get uh, Mando and the yeah. Book of Boba. The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. So excited about that. Very, very, very. So let me say something kind of questionable there. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Lay it on me. When Fennec Shand and Boba Fett take yeah. over... Jabba's Palace. Jabba's Palace. Right. It's only been five years since Jabba died. 
how fat did that assistant get? His name is gone from my head, too. I'm having a blank moment. Oh, uh, Bib Fortuna? Bib Fortuna, thank you. How, I mean, I know the actor is way older than than that, but seriously, like, he was just sitting in Java's throne, just eating cookies all day, right? Yeah. Uh, that was that was a stunning reveal. I can't believe how quickly because even when you go into Jabba's palace in the the final pages of that, right, and it I, is just so dilapidated and just I like know. like ran into the ground. And I don't mean to sound like a body shamer here. Like if you're a real person, <laughs> just live in your body and be fine. But Bib Fortuna is a TV character, and he got super fat. He did. Like, I guess that's, that's what happens when you're on an all-frog diet. An all-frog diet. They're, they're, is they're heavy the, in cholesterol. Is it the throne? Like, is the is that Jabba throne so hard to get out of and to, like, do a little jumping jack every now and then? <laughs> I mean, geez, even he I lift a weights a couple that, times a week. In that dress of his? <laughs> I was just, I didn't know his species got that big. I mean, right? I was like, wow. That is it a little uncalled for. Like, he's it, becoming Jabba. Right. That That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Like... He has all of the minions at his command, and he has all of the the power in that region. Of and the huts. Yeah, and which makes me wonder: is it a visual of of corruption? Like, maybe. is it a absolute power corrupts? Yeah. Absolutely. Which makes me wonder: why didn't the huts come and take over Jabba's right empire? Because there's there's plenty of huts still around, still around. So I would think, and especially since Jabba was kind of like. I don't know the mafia boss. I, I don't. I'm, he's like Tony Soprano, I guess. Yeah. If you're looking at the hierarchy, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe that'll come out in the book of in Boba. the book of Boba Fett. Because I would imagine him going in there and just shooting up the place is not going to go unnoticed. No, it can't. It couldn't possibly. And then they're just sitting there drinking. Yeah. Drinking and where does Crimson food? Sun figure in on the, all of this? I don't know, because that's still, that's still a thread that's hanging, because we hear Crimson Dawn uh, in Clone Wars, yeah. and then Crimson Dawn comes up in that questionable Han Solo film. And then uh, I know we're going to get uh, Darth Maul in the Kenobi series, but there's no real resolution to that. No. Well, I mean, we know um, Darth Maul starts it. Right. So, and he was basically kind of the kingpin to it. But, yeah. And we still don't know how, yeah, there's, see, there's so many questions, so many questions. And I like it, the little breadcrumbs, just kind of, right. you have to watch all of it to see how it fits together. And all of these things connect back to the Skywalker stories, but they're not. They're not dependent They're not on dependent it, on it. Which is it. great. Which is my point with Marvel is there's a lot of stories to tell that have nothing to do with the X-Men or the Avengers. And I think that they might do better to follow that model. I think so. I agree. Well, there you have it. Um, that that about wraps our time for today. Yay. Do you have anything else? Any parting pearls of wisdom? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, go to the Colorado Festival of Horror. Yes. September 10th through 12th. Yes. Uh, sign up for the costume contest. Yes. Drink some beer. Take some pictures. Yes. Uh, Come and hang out with uh, me and the rest of the 5280 crew. Red will be there. She's got Red a book. Red will be there. Go buy Red's book because it's adorable. It is adorable. I taught, and I and Red actually will be on next week. Oh, yay. I'll have Red. Uh, Red returns. Red's Red triumphant returns. return to the podcast. Red hasn't been on in two years. Well, because she's been working on this book. She's been working on her book, and she's got her, her stuff. I cannot monopolize all of Red's time. No. Uh, but Red will return for next week's episode. And uh, we will talk about Little Boo. And uh, I talked her into 
Uh, the the, the <laughs> she hates me because I, I totally screwed her with this. Uh, the the airport DIA right was taking submissions from artists to do like to decorate like a a part of the Concord. Oh, good. And they wanted something that was influential from Colorado that uh, they could use as you know like markers right, along right. the airport so you don't get as lost. So I turned red onto it, and of course her brain went in overdrive. And is already feverishly working oh, good. on her submission. Oh, I'm so glad. I, you know, I'm very fortunate to know she so many <laughs> artists. Uh, Red is incredible. My, I'm going to drop this crazy plug here. My friend Scott Hildebrand is having a display at Meow Wolf. Does he really? Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. So um, you may know Scott as Mr. Christmas. You may know him as just Scott, but he is going to have uh, a display at Meow Wolf. I'm so freaking proud of him. I'm proud of Red and her glorious book. I'm proud of you and Brett for putting on the horror festival. Like I know some really incredible people. Oh, you're just saying that. Yeah, I am. No. (laughs) No kidding. You guys are great. Wait till I get off the air. I'm going to tear you apart. No. No, I'm so excited for everybody. Good job. Yeah, um, and I think Red is actually going to compete in the draw-off. Uh, Crozier asked her if she would be interested. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so she's all like, should I do it? I'm like, yeah, you should yes. do it. Yes, yes, Red, you should do so it. So she, she, she said, okay, I'll do it. So um, there will be lots to go on at uh, Colorado Festival of Horror. Of course, BJ Wakeman, myself, uh, a lot of people don't know Vadim, but he is a spectacular photographer and videographer. He's a member of the team. Only one they'll be missing will be you. Sorry. Hey, you got to go to Florida. I've got another gig. I've got to go eat Cuban food and wait in the ocean. It's a hard life, but. Splashy, 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 splashy. (laughs) Yeah. So on that bombshell, you can go to SusieQs.com, check out her wares, her her latest and greatest designs. Please do. Uh, Pick up a couple things. Christmas is right around the corner. It is. Clock is ticking. Scarily. Uh, Just over 100 days. 150. And if you're the type that likes to give special presents on Halloween, this is this is something. Right. Way it's Agreed. Uh, and on that bombshell, we shall say goodnight, goodbye, so long, till next week. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, always be careful.